Hello and welcome to the Sailorville Church podcast. My name is Abe Miller, again here with Pat Nemmers. How are we doing? Doing well, Abe. Good to be back with you again. It, it seems, seems, yeah, it has been a while. It's just you and me doing these <laughs> podcasts. Others do, but nobody else are, is. Why isn't anybody else ever interviewing me? I don't know. I guess it's just me. I'm the only one who's willing to do it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah. So, so we're going to be talking a little bit about the message from Sunday. The message you preached uh, in Acts chapter one, which mm-hmm. was it was just it was very simple but practical. Mm-hmm. I, I, I talked to several guys in our in our community group, and they said it was just very practical. That was how they said it, but it was like challenging to our mm-hmm. hearts and stuff. And um, one of one of the things for me personally was the the whole idea of the power of the Holy Spirit, which is if you're familiar with that passage, which we can maybe talk a little bit about. But the power of the Holy Spirit, and you had made a couple of comments in there, and I'm just going to read a couple of them that were that were really good to me. Unless, unless the Holy Spirit is empowering you right now, you can't see the world like God wants you to see it. It's impossible to see people and the world in the right light, yeah. which was just, you know, the Spirit of God turns on our, our hearts and our minds and our eyes to see things differently, which was just really, really good. And then just being fully equipped for the battles to come. I think it was with second Peter. Yep. That was that part. second Peter one. Yep. And then Ephesians six, which mm-hmm. is the armor of God. Um, it, it's there, there's so many times I think in our lives, especially in my life where it's like, yep, it's another day. Here we go. I gotta, I gotta get up and be a, be a husband and be a dad and go to work and minister to people. And, and how many times do I walk out in the flesh and not, um, being spirit led, walking in the spirit, which are words that we talk about. Um, but hopefully this, this podcast, we want to dig a little bit deeper into um, the Holy Spirit. What, what kind of response did you get from the messages? Did other, did other people, did that come up with other people? The Holy well, spirit well you said two things. One thing you said, simple. I like to be simple. I mean, I went, we go deep in the word, we exposit the word, but at the end of the day, we want to be very understandable. And that, that actually encourages me when I hear that. So we, the whole, the premise of the message were, uh, motivations that, that, uh, Christ had given the disciples before he ascended into heaven for reaching their lost world. One of them was just proof, proof of the resurrection. I mean, if you could, if somebody near and dear to you died and then suddenly came back and was talking to you, that would be, that would be yeah. very inspiring in the resurrection. That just his resurrection itself changed their lives. The other, uh, the other one, of course, was uh, was what you're referring to—the power of the Holy Spirit. And then the uh, I'm just looking at I'm looking at some of those notes myself here because that was the that was the last one we talked about the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So um, actually, the last one was just power for the mission. Because the with the Holy Spirit comes power, you'll receive power right. after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth, which is a, a virtual outline of the Book of Acts. Yeah. So you're, uh, and yes, the other thing is you mentioned that second point that is the the power and the power of the Holy Spirit. That was the one that resonate seemed to resonate most with everyone for the reasons that you just said. And there was actually a verse of your, I, I threw in there in that teaching time with sandwiched between a power verse, a couple of power verses in second Corinthians where, you know, if anyone's in Christ, they're a new creation. Yep. And a little bit earlier, it says, uh, the love of Christ compels us, but right in between there, it says, 
uh, we no longer view the world the way we used to. I'm paraphrasing. And it's, that's in verse 16. You know, we, we don't think the way we used to think. So our, our whole orientation in Christ has changed. But the way we keep that orientation alive uh, in the sense of being alert to it all the time is being controlled uh, in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so that statement I made, I, if you'll recall, I said, this might be the only thing some of you need to hear. And I meant that. Just today I was talking with somebody um, uh, who uh, we we're talking about someone who is clearly not living for God, whether this person is an actual Christian or not, it's almost impossible to know. It's really one of those God knows deals. And he's making some decisions like, like life altering decisions right now. And he's doing that clearly, clearly not being led by the spirit of God. And you know, it's just a scary place to be. And I would say to anybody listening, if you're not walking in the spirit, being led by the spirit of God, you're not prepared to make this life altering decisions. You're just not. Yeah. And so now it's just a matter of what does that mean? Yeah. Okay. So talking about simple, talking about kind of breaking it down. I mean, if you've grown up in church, like I did, you have heard a lot of those phrases, you know, being, you know, being led by the spirit, being filled by the spirit, being indwelled by the spirit, you know, don't quench the spirit, don't yeah. grieve the spirit. I mean, we, we kind of throw around a lot of that lingo, but yeah. like kind of take us back. Like, how do we get the Holy spirit? <laughs> I mean, we, you know, like, well, the Holy spirit is now living in you. Like, how does that happen? And then what is, what are some of those words mean? Give us a little bit of some definitions of, yeah. well, let's, let's, Bring it all the way back. Who is the Holy Spirit? He is God. And we know he's God because, uh, because the scripture speaks of him as such. Uh, there is a passage of scripture in Acts chapter 5 where Ananias and Sapphira are these two people who have, uh, they're hypocritical. They've lied uh, to Peter and company. And Peter says, you've lied to the Holy Spirit. And then he says, you've lied to God. I mean, he, he puts those two together. And uh, so the other thing about the Holy Spirit I would like to say is, is he is a, he's a person. Uh, and so when you talk about lying to the Holy Spirit or grieving the Holy Spirit, you know, you, you, can't, you can't lie to a force. Mm-hmm. You can't grieve an, imp- an, an you know, a per- you, the only thing you can grieve is a personality. And so when we have those statements, that's pointing to his personality. He's a real person. And uh, I know when we say that we want to envision somebody. That's yeah. half our problem, yeah. you know. Uh, but he's God, so we can't make an image of God. But he is, he is personal. And so, uh, and by the way, I, I just real quick, I have my Bible open to uh, John 16, where Jesus, just before he died, he says, uh, I still have many things to say to his disciples. I can't tell them to you now. You can't bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. You notice I purposely focused, I said he, 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 he. The thing about it is the word spirit there in that passage is pneuma. In fact, we call it in theology, we call it, call it the doctrine of 
yeah, numerology, okay, so pneumatology, rather. So um, pneuma means spirit. It just means wind. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a neuter. It's neuter. It's not, it's in gender. It's not, it's not male. It's not female. It's, it's neuter. So when something is neuter in the Greek, in the English Bible or any other translation, it should be translated it. So seriously, according to the grammar, let me read to you what the Greek should have said. And what passage is this? This is uh, John 16 verses 12 through 14. Thanks for asking me that. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, it will guide you into all the truth for it will not speak of its own authority, but whatever it hears, it will speak and it will declare to you the things that uh, are uh, to come. It will glorify me for it will take what is mine and declare it to you. That would be the proper grammar from the Greek new Testament. Mm. But Jesus, Jesus himself violated the grammar and put the personal pronoun he in there. Mm. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So I think all of our listeners got to remember for theologically speaking that he's God and he's a personal being. And Romans 15 speaks of his love. So, and keep yourself in the love of the spirit. So, and only personal beings can love. So, and I tell you that because there are cults out there like the Jehovah's Witnesses who do not see him as a personal being. They see him as a force. So I think it's really, really important. So when you put those together, then you can understand that if you disobey God, you grieve the Holy Spirit. It makes more sense, right? Because he's living in you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so don't, um, so grieve not the Holy Spirit, you know, by whom you've been sealed under the day of redemption. So... What would be the difference between being indwelled or being filled by the Spirit? I mean, we, we throw that lingo out there. Yeah. What's the difference between those two? Yeah, so I'm going to read another passage to you since you asked that question. Quickly find it. First uh, uh, Corinthians uh, chapter 12. I didn't prepare for this, Abe, so if I get my You're things, fine. You've got it. Yeah, yeah, whatever. You know it. Okay, so um, okay, so. 1 Corinthians 12 says, For just as one body, just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, uh, though many are one, so it is with Christ. Now here's verse 13. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13 says, For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all are made to drink of one spirit. Now, so everyone who knows Christ, I mean, twice where it's all who know Christ are baptized in the Holy Spirit, are baptized in the Holy Spirit. You know, we have brethren out there who preach the gospel that Christ died and rose again. We have to believe on him to be saved, who think that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a separate work of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. They think that, uh, okay, you can be saved, but you, now you need the whole, you, you, you're going to get the whole enchilada, you know, you got, you got to, uh, sorry, hope. But uh, that, uh, you know, you've got to have this extra blessing. But we're told very clearly, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, everyone who knows Jesus has been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And with that baptism comes the indwelling. Uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, what don't you know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. So indwelling just means exactly that. He lives in you. And he comes to live within you when you trust Christ as your Savior. So just to spread that out just a little bit, 
the spirit of God, I've argued, is in many ways the most active part uh, personality in the Trinity. I mean, he is—he's the one who—who who, he authored the Word of God, and that's not—he's not doing that anymore. But he is the one who illuminates the Word of God, according to First John chapter two. He—he uh, uh, illumin- he makes it—he like makes the light come on when we read it. Okay, so he's the one who who indwells us at the point of salvation. And before we're saved, he's the one who convicts us. Jesus said in John 16, the Holy Spirit will come to convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment of sin because they don't believe in me. So he convicts. And according to John chapter three, Jesus said, you must be born of the spirit. So he's the one who regenerates us, who makes, he causes the blood of Jesus to be applied to our heart I mean, this is so cool. He's the one who does all that. Yeah. And that's a one-time act. But the illumination part, understanding the Bible, that's an ongoing thing. The indwelling, that's a one-time act when you trust Jesus. But you mentioned the other thing, filling. Right. So that's a, that's a repeatable thing. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5 says in verse 16, uh, you know, uh, don't be drunk uh, with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So... That tells you that he's used the negative example because what does wine, if you get drunk on wine or anything, if you get drunk on alcohol, the alcohol controls you. And that's why people do weird things when they're drunk, right? Well, it's interesting. Paul uses that as an analogy for being controlled by God, by God, the Holy Spirit. And so to be filled with the Holy Spirit, it's a synonym for being controlled. Mm -hmm. He's controlling me. He's helping me to make the right decisions, to go the right way, to say the right word, and uh, uh, to do the right thing. So to be filled, and to be filled is an ongoing thing. So um, uh, just so that our, our our audience, those who are watching or listening, know this, because it's kind of a mystery, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that when you speak in tongues? Because that's what some people think. Because you do read through the book of Acts and you hear these, these the Spirit of God comes out and they, they're filled with the Holy Spirit and sometimes they speak in tongues. But when you read the epistles in the New Testament, there's nothing that says that you're being filled with the Holy Spirit is connected to speaking in tongues. It just commands us to be filled with the Holy Spirit, Ephesians chapter 5. But here's an interesting thing, Abe. If our, if our, if our listeners would compare Ephesians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, with Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, which, by the way, the Apostle Paul wrote from the same jail cell, the same, two different letters that went out in two different directions. So you know he had, you know, the Spirit of God was leading him as he wrote the Scripture, right? Yeah. And he sent it to two different audiences. He sent it to Colossae, the Christians in Colossae. He sent it to Ephesus, the Christians at Ephesus. And he told, here's what he says to the Ephesians. He says, he says uh, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he says, I'm just going to read it to you because it's so, it's so cool. It'd be, it'd be, it's better just read it word verbatim. And here's what it says in Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, and I want to show the parallel. It's so cool. And it, well, I think it's going to be helpful to our listeners. Yeah. It says, um, uh, okay, so Ephesians 5, look carefully how you walk, not as unwise, making the best of time. Verse uh, 17, therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And then Ephesians 5, 18, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms, 
and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in, uh, to the Lord in your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, submitting yourself to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now notice, be filled with the Holy Spirit, and the result is you're singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to one another, you're giving thanks to God and all of that. So then if you, if you go to Colossians, again, the same, not the same letter, but from the same jail cell, he writes the same letter. He says in chapter 3, in verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Parallel that to be filled with the Holy Spirit, okay? So let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, do with all you, uh, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. He's saying, almost, it's almost, it's not, it's not word verbatim, yeah. but it's almost exactly the same. And that's why theologians believe in our circles, and I'm inclined to completely agree, that to be filled with the Spirit is to be controlled by the Spirit. And to be controlled by the Spirit means you're letting God control you through his word. It's the same thing. The word isn't the Spirit, but he's using the word, which he authored, by the way, to guide us. And that should comfort us. It's it's. To know you're, if you're in the word, memorizing word, obeying the word, you're being led by the spirit of God and you could be confident of that. Yeah, that's really good. Really good. So when, when you, like, what does that look like practically for people when we talk about being filled? I mean, like, yes, our, you know, our quiet time with the Lord, you know, in the morning or whenever you read or whatever, and yeah. there's that their time. But then there's also just, okay, like I don't have my Bible in front of me all day long. Right. right. So like. What does that mean to be filled, controlled by the Spirit, like in daily life? I mean, are you, do you pray that? Do you pray, Holy Spirit, fill me? Holy Spirit, control me today? When you go into a meeting or you have a conversation or you walk into a coffee shop, I mean, is that is that going through your mind? And how, how do, because I think everybody would be like, well, yeah, I want to be led by the Spirit. But in Galatians 5, it talks about the flesh and the spirit, yeah. and, they're, and they're battling each other, right? Yeah. They're at war, which it's like, okay, Abe, that was a fleshly, that was fleshly. Mm-hmm. That was a self-centered decision versus a God-centered or God-controlled decision. How does that practically play out in everyday life or at home with my kids or my wife being controlled by the spirit? Okay, so great question. And I, in part, I answered it, but you really kind of made it practical. So if I'm in the word of God and the spirit of God authored it, and if being filled or controlled by the Holy Spirit is the same as being filled or controlled by the word of God, then I need what in me all the time? I need the truth in me. I never, I never leave the home without reading my Bible, not because I'm more godly than somebody else and I'm that, that, that makes me more special. I just know myself. I need that fresh infilling of the truth and the spirit of God is leading me so that I can discern that fleshly thought versus the spiritual thought. You're not going to know unless you know God's word. Some, I mean, yes, can there is some things that are just very apparent, but I think on some of the finer points, you can tell what you, whether you're making the right decision versus the wrong decision. You ask the question, do you pray that you be filled with the Holy spirit? Well, I don't normally, I, I, I have, I guess I have prayed that, and I've certainly prayed it for others, by, but by that I mean I'm praying that the word of God in them is 
controlling them as, you know, the spirit of God is controlling them by way of the knowledge of the word of God that they have in them. And I'm praying the same thing for myself. And uh, so, you know, I think we all would like to have the big experience, you know, the big, the big bop from heaven, you know, it's like, oh man, you know, that was a, and then I saw the lightning bolt, you know, and then, and I do think God once in a while condescends to our level and just throws something pretty cool out there. I've got enough stories to fill the yeah. next three hours on that. And I love that. Love, would I like to have that every day? I guess, yes. I guess I, but what I want more than anything is to know I'm being led by God, the Holy Spirit. And so I, I don't worry about that if I'm in his word. So, um, so then we boil it down to general life decisions that you have to make. Some of them aren't really spiritual, and then you just make a decision. But I think even in those things, God's leading mm-hmm. versus, you know, not spending time with God and then hoping somehow by a flip of the coin you'll make the right decision. That's, that's just stupid living is what that is. Yeah, and I've heard you say that before of people like, you know, they're moving or they got a job somewhere or, and, and it's like, well, have you been spending time in God's word? Have you been praying about it? Have you been seeking counsel? You know, have you been confessing sin? I mean, all of that is coming into play, right? When it comes to decision-making yep. versus like, yeah, I, I just feel like we need to leave or go somewhere and like, yeah, based off of what? Yeah. Based off of your feelings? And that's usually what it is. And you've also heard me say that feelings should be the, if, if our life is a train, the feelings should be the caboose, not the engine. The problem is most Christians make their feelings the engine because they're not in the word of God. I've never made a major decision in my entire life that I know of, not a major one, that I wasn't guided by the word of God. And when that happens, I, I conclude that the Holy Spirit has been guiding me in that process. Mm-hmm to make the right decision and some cool, really cool things and stories have come out of that. But I want to caution our audience not to live for the big experience, but to just be guided by God, by what you have right in front of you, the word of God. And then with that, that means you're confess. you know, don't treat the Bible like a magic book. I read my Bible, so I'm going to be led by the spirit now. No, you're reading your Bible. You're confessing sin that God reveals to you. You're confessing sin to one another. Uh, you know, I was, you know, I'm, well, I mean, something happened recently that I just, I needed to ask somebody to forgive me. And I knew that until I did, it just wasn't going to be the right thing. Mm-hmm. To, I was, I mean, I just, I couldn't have that real sense of God's leading. So the word of God will drive us to those kinds of things as well as worship. I mean, look at these parallel passages. You got singing. You've got thanksgiving. You've got teaching and exhorting one another. Those are the things that the Holy Spirit is involved in, talking to, you know, I'm a leader. I, I lead in this church, but you're a leader too. And uh, so you've seen me over the last 20 years. I'll, sometimes I just have to say a hard word. Hopefully it's in the spirit that I'm speaking that hard right. word, but it's, a, it's, it's to do with somebody's, for somebody to do a course correction, you know. Other times, like you and I just came out of a meeting moments before this meeting where it wasn't a call for a hard word. It was a call for an encouraging word. Somebody had experienced a death in their family. They needed, they needed truth to be spoken to them that would encourage them and assure them that their loved one who had trusted Jesus was in heaven. So those are ways, those are the simple ways in which God leads us. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you kind of talked about, um, 
the confessing sin, you know, so the other, the other phrase that gets thrown around is, uh, don't quench the spirit or don't grieve the spirit, which is scripture as well. But what, what does that mean? And how, how do we do that? And because I think a lot of times people look at others, maybe like yourself and be like, oh, he has all of these like God moments or God opportunities, or it just seems like, you know, and people are like, I want that. And yet they don't, they don't get that, but they don't maybe understand like, yeah, you're quenching the spirit or you're grieving the spirit. What does that mean? What does that look like? And how do we get out of that? So yeah. we, we, we can say like, man, I feel like I am being controlled by the spirit right now. And there is freedom and there is peace and there is power and confidence in what God's doing in me instead of like this shrinking back timidity. I'm fearful. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the two, uh, metaphors there, uh, don't grieve the Holy spirit. That's in, uh, Ephesians four thirty. That's in the context of put off the old man and put on the new. So that's a, we put off the old man. Those are the works of the flesh, bitterness and anger and drunkenness and, you know, revelry and all those things that uh, displease the Lord. And when we do that, we grieve the Holy Spirit. Uh, we're still human. We still make mistakes. We still sin. We still get angry. We still get jealous. We still struggle with lust. And when that happens, there's a, I mean, we have to believe there's a grievance. I mean, that that's a powerful word, by the way, to me, to think about God being grieved by me mm-hmm. and by what I do or the way I think that should give me pause. And if I do grieve him to seek confession, you know, uh, cause the verses that follow there, it says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. I mean, we're grieving the Holy spirit. If we withhold forgiveness, let's say somebody. Yeah. And so, um, and the other is a, a metaphor of quenching. I mean, well, I put it back on you. When you think of something, when you when you think of that verse, which is in First Thessalonians chapter five, don't quench the Holy Spirit. Okay, uh, what comes to your mind? Uh, thirsty water, fire. Put okay, the fire out. Okay, so it. yeah, so you're thirsty like I am right now. I forgot to bring my water. <laughs> so I have a little bit. I yeah, no bit. thanks. I don't need your backwash right. here. Okay, I uh, I want the anyways, the real. Yeah, yeah. So. So water quenches dryness, and uh, but in this case, it's a negative. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is, one of the symbols of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament is fire in Acts chapter 2. And uh, so I think that's probably the symbol that Paul has in mind. And so if the Spirit of God is a fire burning, not out of control, but, you know, stoking us for God's glory and, and uh if we quench the Holy Spirit, what does that mean? I think it means, uh, I think it means a truth that comes at me. Again, this is in that First Thessalonians passage where it says, "Don't despise prophesying." That's the preaching, the tr- teaching of the word. Be thankful for everything. You know, be thankful for everything. Uh, uh, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Uh, there's just several teachings there. And then he says, don't quench the Holy Spirit. And I think that means when truth comes your way, uh, don't just poo-poo the truth. I mean, that, um, if, if, if fire, if, if, if I, you're outdoorsman Mm -hmm. and, uh, you love a good fire, you guys like to do fires in your backyard. And if you have friends over, uh, what happens 
when the fire starts to dwindle? I mean, you say, well, we just get a little closer to the fire. That's one thing you can do. Or you can throw a couple logs right, on there. Right. <laughs> and uh, and everybody stays where they're at, and you're, you're feeling the warmth. Yep. So God is constantly throwing logs on our fire with our pastor, with his word, with our parents, with people that are speaking truth into our lives. And when the logs are coming at, we're the fire, and we're knocking the logs off this way. Knocking, that's quenching the Holy Spirit. We're, 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 we're dimming his effect in our lives. So the, I think the word there is don't, when somebody's speaking truth to you, don't poo poo it. Listen, God has a reason that person's in your life and saying something to you. And so you take it in and then you can determine whether it's true or not. And if it is true, you better let that log come on your fire. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. That's the I, first time I ever thought of that analogy, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> no, I think that's, I think that is good because I think you can, like, I can even look at my own life and, and, you know, there's times where I feel like, wow, I'm, I'm really close to the Lord. I feel that sensitivity. Um, and then there's other times where I feel the, you know, the grieving of the spirit, or maybe I've quenched the spirit where, you know, I, I'm, I'm being selfish mm. or there's unconfessed sin. I mean, just even within the last couple of weeks, I had to confess sin to my wife, mm. but I thought, I think that, I think that impacted my time in the word, right? Cause it's like, there's, there's something not right yeah. here. There's yeah. something that is affecting this and you need to deal with it because you are grieving the spirit. Yeah. And the spirit, like you said, is not able to speak to me like, like he wants to and how I need to take it because I have, I have blinders on, I have yep. sin and I have unconfessed sin that needs to be dealt with. And I think that's, um, which I think is a great challenge for anybody who's listening. Like if you're feeling dry, if you're feeling like I'm not close to the Lord, then to, to really ask some of those questions, am I grieving the spirit? Am I quenching the spirit? I mean, right. Those would be, yep. those would be natural questions to ask yep. and say, man, uh, maybe I do have unconfessed sin. Maybe I do need to deal with this, or maybe I don't want to hear truth that someone's giving to me, whether it's a parent or a spouse or a coworker or a friend or a community group leader or whatever. I completely agree. And one thought came to my mind is anxiety, which it seems like is pandemic. I mean, it's more pandemic than COVID. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, it's just, I can't, I've never seen so many people that I've encountered that struggle with anxious thoughts. And I, I, I feel like I need to do more deeper thinking on this because a lot of these times lead to depression and I, that's a mind thing, a mental thing. And I, I struggle. I can't analyze and I'm not a, I'm not a physician and I'm not a neurologist, but I do know great peace of those who love your law and nothing will make them stumble. That's what the Bible says. And, uh, he will keep you in perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed on, on you, you know, mm -hmm. Isaiah says, and anxiety is the antithesis of rest and trust and I think that a lot of people wrestle with anxiety because they don't, they don't give their cares to the Lord. They don't spend time in the word. Uh, and when they do, it's sort of a distracted time. It's, they're like the, they're like the Martha. Ah, ah, I got to get things done. I got to get to my work. I got to get to my chores. I got to get to, I got to go over here. I, and it's just, it's just, a, it's, they're just full of anxious thoughts. And Jesus even said to Martha, you're, he basically said in the Greek, basically said, Martha, you're being pulled apart. And uh, I would like to say to those who are listening who struggle with anxiety, you want to be filled with the Spirit, walk with the Spirit, then quiet yourself before God. 
do your best to put those things. They're going to be there when you get done reading your Bible. I guarantee you. They're right there. Okay. I know they want to come in and swoop down on you, but push them off his side and say, God, I know I got to handle that job situation. I know I got to get to the kids. I know I got to get to the chores. I know I got to make that trip. I know I got to talk to that person. But right now, I just need to hear from you. Yeah. And then you'll experience the joy of walking in the spirit. Yeah. It's really good. Thank you for sharing. I, as we were talking here, I just am, I'm challenged and encouraged just your ability to recall scripture and to bring it up. And, to, and I think it's a great illustration of what we were talking about is like, you have spent so much time with the Lord and in the word that it just is, it's constantly coming to your mind. So when you're thinking of decisions or communication or, or what the individual needs right now, I mean, like that scripture is just popping mm. into your head, which is always a challenge to me. And I, I love it that you, you know, even this wasn't like super well planned out, but I mean, you're just like, yep, you're just cranking out verses that it's just become a part of you. And that, and that is the truth flowing through you, which mm. helps you, you know, walk with the Lord and mm. give you leading, right. Being controlled yeah. by, by scripture, which is a good challenge. I'm grateful. Thank you for that encouragement, that compliment, encouragement, all glory to God. And I'll just conclude our time with a story. I just came to my mind. Uh, not a story. It's a, it's a, and I'm going to paraphrase it. Uh, D.L. Moody, who, who was not a theologian. He's an evangelist and he was kind of a country bumpkin evangelist, but thousands came to Christ under his preaching and people were just drawn by the power that he had in the word. He loved the thought of the Holy Spirit guiding him. And he said, we are all leaky vessels, so we must stand under the spigot of the word of God, something like that, uh, to be filled with the spirit. And that's a total butchery of what he said. But the idea is, I love that idea of being, we're leaky vessels. So I need this just like you do. Our listening audience needs it. And uh, if you don't know Jesus as your savior, then repent and believe the gospel because the spirit of God is the one who will come into your life change your heart, and dwell you with his presence, and if you walk with God, fill you with himself. Mm. Thanks for joining us.